0: Good morning. Uh, Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship. Uh, I appreciate that so much. I appreciate everybody here. I appreciate those that are watching online. Uh, Today, I don't know if I'm going to preach or teach or stand up here and cry. I just have a full heart today, and, 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 I, and I pray that I'm able to share it with you. Uh, last week, at some point, I was in a prayer meeting with, with Dennis. And, and if you know Dennis, uh, you know that he he talks what he, well, he, he calls them redelisms. He, he speaks as only Dennis can speak and he was praying and while he was praying he said a phrase which really spoke to my heart I stopped praying and wrote it down and then after the prayer I said Dennis do you remember what you heard uh, what you said and he said no man I was just I was winging it and it was a phenomenal prayer but he said this and this is so important and so true and it has been in my heart since the time I heard it. And he said, Lord, I just want to be in the innocence of your presence. I want you to think about that for a moment. The innocence of the presence of God. Now, when I think about being in somebody's presence, I always think about relationships because life itself is about relationships. If you look about the Ten Commandments, all of the commandments that God gave us, Uh, in the old testament and and even in the new testament in the church era we are uh, relational people everything we do and every commandment that god gives us is is a relationship builder between us and god or between us and somebody else it everything is about relationships and there's a variety of different relationships categories that uh, of relationships that you have in your life you have casual relationships you know, those that you see at the store and you say, what's up, you know, how's it going? You don't really want to know. It's casual. You're just being kind. There's personal relationships when you say, how are things going, and you really do want to know what's going on in their life. There are There are intimate relationships with your family and your really close-knit people that that you not only want to know how things are going in their life but you want to know how they're feeling and and you want to be able to connect with them on, on, on a very close personal relationship there's friendly relationships, there's loving relationships there's the business relationship and it goes on and on and on our life its it, sum and total is the relationships that we have with God and with one another Jesus spoke a lot about relationships when, when Jesus commanded us to love our neighbor as ourselves in Matthew 19 19 he said honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself he wasn't just telling us things to do he was saying here is the foundation on which to build a relationship with your parents And here's the foundation on which to build a relationship with those around you. Relationships. And here's something that Jesus knew. Of course, Jesus knew everything. But when he spoke to us about relationships, he knew that our motives determine the relationship and the actions in that relationship that we will have. Let me give you an example. There's really basically two types of relationships. Although we have many categories of relationships, there's really two types. There's the innocent one, the pure one, and then there is the agenda-driven relationship. Two days ago, my 18-month-old or 19-month-old granddaughter got up, 4 a.m. I got up, we sat on the couch, and we watched Cocoa Melon. And we sat there for about an hour, and then she fell asleep. And that was an innocent relationship. I just enjoyed being in her company, and she enjoyed laying on my lap watching the show. There's also agenda-driven with her when she wakes up at 4, and I pick her up, and she is really smiling and looks at me and then gets her power finger and says, Go. I know that means get in the car and go for a drive and watch Frosty the Snowman for the 1,012th time. So, so I understand that even at a young age, she comprehends an innocent relationship and in a, in a strings-attached relationship. Think about your life. Think about all the conversations you've had with family members, with your spouse, with your friends, with casual people, and and look at the difference between the innocent relationship where you wanted nothing from them but just to hear and talk with them. Whether it was coloring together or, or laying on the sidewalk waiting for the fireworks to start because it was so cold, And you know that's not here on July 4th. Uh, But it was so cold, and you're laying down and you're laying on the sidewalk talking to your five year old, and they just want to share with you, and you just want to hear what's going on in their life. Or them telling you, your children telling you how they can skip, not on two feet, but on one foot. And you're listening and you're focused. See, God's relationship with us is based on innocence. God doesn't want anything from you. God has no strings attached. And you say, well, he wants us to change. Yeah, he does want us to change. And the the, the only reason he wants us to change is because we can be in a better position that we can share with him and talk with him and have a relationship with him because the only thing he desires from us is a close personal intimate relationship with him. We're gonna be speaking in, in Genesis chapter three. I'm gonna have, if our technician would turn there or go to the slide. Genesis three is an amazing scripture. Would you go to, to verse eight and then and then we'll come back? Scripture says that that the Lord God began walked with them think about that God walked in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve now the scripture that we're talking about in verses seven and eight were after the fall after they had after they had sinned and but I want you to think about before then before that happened can you imagine the creator of the heavens and the earth coming down and most people think it was like in a theophany which was a angelic body it was something somebody a housing for God that they could visibly see and the one that created everything they knew even them came down and asked them so Adam how was your day he's God he knows what they've done he knows what they've said he even knows what they've thought and you ask yourself why would God do that did he have strings attached the answer is no God loved his creation so much that he just wanted to walk and talk with them and share every aspect of their life together. It's when you have that that your child and and you're having that innocent relationship with them and that conversation and they're sharing with you what's really going on in their life and you already know what's going on in their life but you don't want anything from them. It's not an agenda-driven conversation. You're just basking in the love. And that's what God wants from us see why would he do that you know you're going to have to ask him scripture says for God so loved the world I I I don't comprehend the love of God I try I, I mean and I and I'm not saying that I haven't studied it but I'll be honest with you I don't know of anybody that's ever comprehended the love of God we write about it, and we say the ocean can't contain it. There's not enough words. There's not enough paper to write about it. So it's, it's indescribable. It's, it, it, it's insurmountable. It's the love of God. It, for God so loved the world. God so loved you. God so loved me. That he began in the garden with Adam and Eve. It was the original community group. He walked with them. And the conversation was innocent. The conversation was pure. He just wanted to bask in the love. The innocence is purity. It's goodness. It's guiltlessness. It's virtue. He just wanted to talk with his creation. God's desire for us is to have a relationship that's based purely in love. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you talked to the Lord lately with no strings attached, with no ulterior motive, with not asking Him for anything? I know the Scripture says to ask, and you shall receive, seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. God doesn't want us to to never ask Him of anything. He said, ask, do it. He said, said, uh, you know, pray every day. Pray, my Father which art in heaven... How would be thy name, and, and, and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those that sin against us and give us this day our daily bread. We are to ask of him because he is our father, but there is a, a moment in each and every day that we have this opportunity to come to him not for the things we need, but just because he's our dad and we want to share with him our life. I believe that God craves that God desires that and God has moved heaven and earth just to get to that place that 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 we that you and I can have an honest pure relationship with him now I know that when I came to Christ I didn't come to Christ because I loved him I came to Christ because I did not want to go to hell that's an open and honest confession I didn't want to go to hell when he would wake me up in the middle of the night when I knew I didn't uh, know him that well and he'd wake me up hey why aren't you serving me And tears would roll and, 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 and I would say well, God don't, don't come for me right now I'm not ready but when I finally surrendered my life and I, and I started serving him I, I started serving him because I did not want to go to hell but it did not take long that in that relationship uh, it, it transitioned it shifted it changed from from not wanting to go to hell to desiring to be with him I know a lot of people that that want to serve God because they just don't want to go to hell and there's somewhere in there that that, that The Christian life, those that are successful, those that that have longevity, they change from from being afraid to go to hell to desiring to go to heaven. And the transformation, the one key ingredient, the catalyst that, that makes that change is the love of God. That as you begin to walk with him, and he transforms your life, and and he delivers you, and he sets you free, not only initially from sin, but every single day. And as you begin to walk with him, you realize that no one cares for me like Christ. And you begin to follow him with passion and with zeal. In uh, Matthew 6, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. In other words, he's saying, listen, seek me, my relationship with you, and everything else that you ask for is going to be given. But seek me first. So I want to talk to you today, just a minute, if you'd go back to verse 7. I want to talk to you about some things that we as Christians... I, I use the word we because it's an inclusive word that means all of us, every single one of us. And, and if you're not suffering from one of these things in your life today, you have. And if you, and if you aren't now, you probably will be tempted to tomorrow. John told us in 1 John, he says, if any man sins, uh, if, he, if he confesses his sin, that the Lord is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse from all righteousness, unrighteousness. And he's speaking to Christians. Speaking to followers of Christ, and he says, If you sin, if you have sin in your life, see, being a Christian doesn't mean you don't have sin in your life. Can I say that again? Being a Christian does not mean you have, that you're innocent and pure in your own motive, in your own desires. It simply means that you've been pardoned, you've been forgiven. And you have the Spirit of God in you. And you have this great opportunity to have a loving, honest, pure relationship with the Creator of the heavens and the earth. With nothing in between the two of you. This is what Scripture says that after Adam and Eve fell, they said, then the eyes of of both of them were opened. And they realized they were naked look at that for a moment the eyes of both of them were opened. why both of them because both of them transgressed against God both of them committed sin you see sin opens our eyes strips us of our innocence many of you know all my grandkids are visiting with us right now and we have a 18 month old and every once in a while she After she gets out of the bathtub the other day, she she escaped from her mom. We had a little streaker going through the house. Complete innocence. See, her eyes haven't been opened to that, that part of reality and just innocent and pure. Can you, Adam and Eve realized that sin stripped them of their innocence. And Christ wants to restore our innocence. Why? Because he desires a relationship with us that's built on innocence. See, sin promises the world but leaves us with a keen awareness of our own impurity. That's what sin does. It just tempts us. It says, this is going to be great. This is going to be glorious. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be awesome. And then, as a Christian, we, we commit sin. And then, then we're left with this gaping hole and divide between us and our creator. And we feel shame and guilt and embarrassment. It's a shameful time. It's, it's a guilt-ridden time realizing when you've sinned against God and you understand that your eyes have been opened and you realize how wretched and, and immoral we really can be And you say well does it have to be a great sin? well all sin, all sin separates us from God and sin can be anything from an act of commission, an act of omission, a thought a word So what did they do? They were opened and they realized that they no longer were pure and and they decided to sew fig leaves together and made a covering for themselves. Isn't that amazing? You say, well, why would they do that? They were trying to hide or cover up what they had done in their life that was keeping them separated from God. It's a natural response to cover and hide sin why? because we are ashamed of it we're embarrassed by it we're guilty we have fear you say well we don't sow fig leaves together no we don't sow fig leaves together but we do cover ourselves with a few things in, in this day and time I know a lot of Christians that have tried to cover themselves with self-righteousness of being good on their own and being good is not enough trying to be right only covers the need of cleansing see Christians try to to be good because they just want to cover themselves and still have that relationship with God but self-righteousness will never do it the Bible says in Isaiah 64 6 that our own goodness no matter how good we try to be, is like filthy rags in the eyes of God. Sometimes we try to cover ourselves with intellect, with thinking right. And, you know, and, and, and we can't, but the reality is we can't learn enough about God to change our relationship with God because knowledge does not save you. Knowledge brings you to a place that you realize you need salvation. But repentance an acknowledgement before god if you want to restore that innocent relationship it won't come through study and it won't come through self-righteousness and it will not come through works doing good deeds will never take away the shame i know many many religions many even including christianity have a works-based philosophy that if you do good things you can merit the goodness of God and that's simply just not true it's all based on faith and walking with Christ and an open confession before him. You, and you're saying, Well, Pastor, am I not supposed to live right? Yes, you're supposed to live right, and yes, you're supposed to do what is right. But the reality is, it's not, your your your, your forgiveness is not going to be predicated or based upon the good things that you do. You do good things because you've been set free, because you love him, because you want to please him, because you're striving for that innocent and pure relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth Titus 3.5 Paul writing to, his, to Titus and he said he saved us not because of righteous things we had done but because of his mercy you're, you're sitting here today and I'm standing here today and, and we know if the trumpet sounded right now we would go There's not a doubt in my mind. I know that I know that I know that I know that I have been pardoned and set free and redeemed and I have an eternal reward awaiting and I have a new body and it's already fit for me. And and, and I understand that and you understand that and there is a crown of righteousness awaiting us and I know that and I know I have done one thing only to get there and that is to receive the mercy of God through faith. I can't cover myself. Can't do it. Just can't do it. Did you notice that, that in, in this passage of Scripture, if you read farther down in, in Genesis chapter 3, you'll find that God clothed them with animal skins. Where did he get those? God had to offer sacrifice other animals to provide them coverings physical coverings here we are today and if you want to have a spiritual covering it will only come through the blood of Christ the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can cover our sin then they went if you go to verse 8, please. Uh, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And look what they did. They hid themselves. You ever, you ever do something when you were a kid and realize, I'll just go hide? Now, I know I remember uh, my mom had couple of really nice looking glass lamps they had the big bulb in the middle and, and she had them sitting in the in the garage because she wasn't using them at the time and this is when Bruce Lee was really big and I decided I would make a pair of nunchucks out of the center of them so when she found out uh, I decided the best thing to do to cover my sin was to run away and yeah, it didn't take long because supper was only a couple hours later and I was really hungry. So I had to confess my sin. But don't we do the same things? Don't we, do, we try to hide from God? You know where Christians try to hide from God? Christians try to hide from God behind church activities. But by, by we can justify our lack of relationship with God by our busyness. Doing good things in the church. Well, so the Lord, we're serving in the church. And, and the whole time we're, we're serving in the church, God is saying, You know, I really want, I'm really glad you're, you have a heart to serve. But the reality is, what I really want is your heart and your relationship with me. We can hide behind ministry. You know, many, you know, where most pastors lose out in relationship with God? It's in seminary. Isn't that crazy? That they're studying about God and and they get so busy studying about God that, that they never develop or strengthen their relationship with God. Martha had to learn that busyness wasn't the greatest thing when Jesus said, Martha, being in my presence is more important than doing the things. And I'm not saying quit, you know, nobody show up for work day. That would be a sin. <laughs> but uh, well, what I am saying is simply this. Don't get so busy doing around church that you forget to have that relationship with God. A lot of times we hide behind not just doing things in church, but we hide behind our theology because man is really good about creating theologies that, that condone what they're going, what's going on in their life. I will tell you this, and this is truth, and, and it's what I believe, and you can be wrong, but we try to build doctrines on, on things that we convince ourselves that everything's okay. And here's the truth. God is never okay with sin. You say, well, I've been forgiven. Still doesn't change the fact that sin will, will separate you from God and will never allow you to have that pure, honest, and intimate relationship with him that he desires and craves. Sin is sin, whether you're a a sinner or you're a saint, it's still sin and it still needs to be dealt with. That's why John said, if you will confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Why? Because he wants that relationship with you more than you want it yourself. The only solution the only solution, then, is simply confession. Saying, God, here I am. You know, it it is really amazing. I, just like everybody else, have things that God is constantly dealing with you on, don't you? And, you know, here's the amazing thing about God. As soon as you overcome one thing, there's something else that shows up and when you first start serving the Lord it's it's usually the outward habits and language and different things like that that he helps you clean up and then he gets really serious about your attitudes oh those hurt or your preconceived ideas and, and, and as God begins to work with you and shine his light on you, he doesn't have a motive of, oh, I'm going to change you because I don't like the way you are. His only desire and drive is to have that pure, intimate relationship with you, an honest relationship. The purity of his presence, the honesty, the innocence of his presence in us there was a lady years ago named Ria Miller and Ria was born into a family her mother was a devout Christian but her dad was an alcoholic a drunk pursued everything in the world and said I hate religion, I have nothing to do with God, I am charting my own course, I'm doing my, uh, living my own life, and I will accomplish everything I want to accomplish, only to find himself at the bottom of a bottle. And for years it went on like that, and, and, and Rhea's mother continued to pray, and continued to pray, and continue to pray. Then one day, Rhea's father, made his way to church, gave his life to the Lord, and became a pastor. Tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. And, and he was preaching one day, and he was saying, I, there's nothing in this world. There's not a thing in this world that I would rather have than, than Christ in my life. And as she was walking home as a young lady, she started thinking about the sermon that her dad had preached, and and she wrote the words down of a poem. It was published. Some 12 years later, a 23-year-old singer was getting ready for church. He had just been offered a, a... lead vocal in one of the most popular bands in the area he would have headed to fame and fortune and he sat down at the piano trying wrestling with do I want this or do I want to serve the Lord and when he sat down at the piano to to get ready for that evening service a piece of paper fell out of one of the song books, and he picked it up, and it was a copy of Rhea's poem. And he sat down, put music to the lyrics, and went and that night sang this song I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses and lands. I'd rather be led by his now pierced hand. This young 23-year-old man, George Beverly Shea, went on to serve the Lord, worked some 40-plus years with Billy Graham had over 70 albums recorded. All of us have heard that song, I'd Rather Have Jesus. The words from a sermon from a former alcoholic that understood there is nothing in this world that is more precious than having a personal relationship with Christ and a young man that was wrestling between should I serve the Lord or should I serve my own desires and he gave his life to the Lord and the Lord did more with his life than he could have ever done with himself what are you saying pastor I'm simply saying this God desires from us he passionately waits for us to enter in to a relationship with him that's not based on the needs we have it's not based on all of our desires and our faults or our fears but that we can just bask in his presence and all the work that God does in our life is prepping us and preparing us for that you say well I have all these needs yes he knows the needs that we have but he said seek me first seek me first I don't know where you are today I don't know where you find yourself but I do know this that God loves you as much as he loves anybody and God desires to have a relationship with you and maybe you've been worried about all the things in your life and all the needs that you have in your life. And to be honest, I have a lot of them too. Well, I think all of us have needs. We have doubts. We have worries. We have we have concerns. We have heartache. We there's so many things in this life that that can just overwhelm us. And we can go to God day in and day out and say, God help me. God help me. And He will. But in, but that's not the primary response that he's really wanting he's really wanting us to come to him and say lord i just love you i have conversations with my wife and sometimes i'll be honest i have ulterior motives i don't want to go shopping with her so i will volunteer to watch the kids i'll volunteer to pretty much do anything to go to not go shopping but then I have those conversations where we're just talking you know and and I don't even care what the conversation is about I just want to hear her I just want to be there I just want the fellowship and it's in those moments that, that my love for her grows in those moments that my love for, for my family grows it's in, it's in moments like that in relationship that, that my love for God grows I wonder today as we prepare for communion and, and I'm going to ask those that, that uh, are going to help us would you please come as we prepare for communion I wonder if we could just do this today Let's not think about all the things that we have need of. He knows. And I'm not saying don't ask him later on. But right now, at this point, can we just thank him? Thank him for being a friend that stays closer than a brother. Thank him for all he is in our life. And let's talk to him about about the love we